welcome back! Oh my gosh, we're so ready. Episode thirty six. Like we are、mm-hmm. a little more than halfway through the season,、uh-huh. and we end at forty. Yes. Yeah. Which <laughs> there's so many topics. We have so many topics like on our list to talk about that I really want to. So maybe this will be a longer season. There's so much、mm-hmm. to cover. Yeah.、Um, but yeah, before we jump into our topic for today, it's exciting. Um. Let's do a quick check in. How was your week, Summer? My week was alright. Um, I didn't do like that much, but you reminded me. Yeah, I got to see you last week, and it was、yeah. really fun. Also,、oh, I got to see yes. Um, we had really good bunch. I met your friend who is also from Hong Kong, but currently、mm-hmm. in Seattle. Um. Yeah, it was just really nice. So like. Hang out with people、yeah. and like see faces, um, and yeah. Throughout the week, I just work. And yesterday, I <laughs> I worked a little more, and then um, I rewatched Turning Red with my boyfriend. And honestly, like watching it the second time, give me Like new perspective and like notice things that I didn't notice the first time、mm, I watch it.、Mm-hmm. Also watch it like the first time I watch it, I watch it in Cantonese with my parents, and the second time、mm. in English. So it was really good. I'm excited to talk about it.、Um, and what else? Well, I'm excited but also nervous. So I'm going to San Diego tomorrow for a conference. And this is my first time going to a business conference, and I、yes. need to like network with business women, like talk to other I don't know founders. So、mm-hmm. it's gonna be an experience, but I'm just like, oh, I'm kind of scared. It'll be、it's、fun. Okay,、though. you got this. It'll be okay, like yeah, I got this. Your extrovert self. Ah,、uh, I feel like I'm getting more introverted though. That's literally what we were talking about yesterday. I had a call with Dion and Laurel and、oh, Brian、yeah. yesterday. And、um, we were seeing how out of our friend group, literally Laurel's the only person who's extroverted. Like, she's the only one standing. And I was like, no, Summer's pretty extroverted. I feel like.、Um, well, I thought you're joining the、too. introvert club. Yeah, come join us. I, th- <laughs> I think I'm more like ambivert now, just because、mm. like it's also like an adaptation thing where I have to work from home, so I don't、mm. really get a lot of like social interaction. And my brain just need to get used to like, not talk to people for so long. But then now I feel like just one social interaction and like like hang out with you guys can like last me longer、mm, than before.、Recharge. If that makes sense, like we're talking longer. My battery life is longer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. So well, I'm、me. glad we can help you recharge.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw each other. We、I、haven't、know. seen each other since July of last year. Right, but when you but came feels... to SF, right? Oh, was no, it? When, well, graduation? no, graduation. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was so nice. Um, I feel like it's weird because I feel like when we see each other in person, it doesn't really feel that different from when we're on like、mm-hmm. Zoom, anyways. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I feel like. Even though we haven't seen each other in person for like months, it just feels kind of like the same. Like it feels like we're just talking. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah,、um, yeah the bay was fun.、Uh, wait, did you see my car and how dirty it was because of all the bugs that like、no. died on my windshield? 
on the drive. It was no. so dirty. Oh god. Yeah. Um but yeah, busy week. I started work, so I still don't tell summer um about it, but it's nice. It's like really busy. Um small nonprofit, so there's a lot to learn. Mm. Um so I think I'm just trying to challenge myself to like take initiative and like because I think my boss is just really really busy so sometimes like he tells me to do things that I haven't like learned yet like he hasn't taught mm. me so I'm just learning how to like take initiative and ask my other coworkers or like interrupt him um when he's doing something because I'm always like I don't want to step on people's toes like I want to yeah. be polite but sometimes like I think in the workplace you have to be assertive because it's professional it's not personal um, so I think I'm learning that mm. and it's nice. It's a lot of walking. Oh, um, good. Yeah, yeah. A lot Get of those um, steps in. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of last minute like things that would come up, but I think it's a challenge and I'm learning and I really enjoy it. And it's the field that I've wanted to go into anyway, so it's a nice start. Um and they ordered boba for the office. Wow. Um, I know. I didn't get it though because I had my boba quota for the week. But oh. now I'm just like I should save it for when they get boba. So I get yeah. free boba. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. That's, That's my week. Awesome. It's also spring. Happy spring. Oh, yeah. Because so today like is like and then today's yes. the first day? Today is the first day of spring. Oh. Yeah, so hopefully SF becomes warmer. Please. I I hope so, too. Honestly, like, always just so cold. Look, like, I'm wearing a hoodie and you are just wearing a tank top. I know. LA. Mm -hmm. Anyways, okay. So, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the movie Turning Red. Yes. Yes. We're deciding on what to talk about. And I think we both just watched it recently. Um, mm-hmm. So Summer suggested us to talk about this, which would be very interesting. Honestly, when Summer first suggested it, I was like, I feel like the themes are very obvious and I wouldn't have much to say about it. But then I was looking through our outline and I was like, actually, there's, there's a, lot, a, lot to a lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> I need yeah. to watch it again, though. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. We watch it in Kanto. Oh, yeah. I should. I should. Do you think Michelle Yeoh still voices the grandma in the Kanto version? So, I don't remember. Mm. I don't remember. Wow. Well. <laughs> yeah. So let's jump right yeah. into Turning Red. Yeah. We hope you've all watched it. If not, yeah. um, Spoiler spoilers. Alert. Yeah. Yeah. Come back Listen after. After you yes. watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. So Turning Red is um an animated film produced by pixar and distributed by disney as we all know and you can watch it on disney plus and the director of this movie is by domi shi she also directed bao which was a pixar short film that came out a few years ago i still remember watching it in the theater actually when i watched incredible 2 yeah and i was like i was like tearing up when i was watching it (laughs) but also i was like you ate your son though yeah (laughs) that's kind (laughs) of that's kind of graphic but (laughs) yeah i I thought it was really good anyways and the story was also written by her and another person julia cho the film stars voices of 
Rosalie Chang, Sandra Oh, Michelle Young, who was the grandma, and oh god, <laughs> the pressure. <One> <laughs> Okay. We looked it up before. I don't want to. I don't want to like mispronounce her. Yes. My Trey Ramakrishnan. Um. So she is actually the main character in Never If I Ever. If you watch that TV show, I love that TV show. It's really I, like, good. Binged Go it. watch it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Indian American representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the main stars. Uh, that were the forces of that movie. Oh. Also, actually, I was looking up who um, produced the movie and, like, who directed it and stuff. And mm. it was Rosalie – oh, sorry, not Rosalie. It was Adomi Shi and then Julia Cho, right? But then I think the other two producers that were, like, head of this movie were wh- are white. The two so they didn't put their yeah. name. But they, I know. <laughs> um, which is very mm. interesting to me because I'm glad they had a, like, Chinese director yeah. and writer. Mm-hmm. But maybe they just don't have that many, like – Asian producers at Pixar. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, interesting. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You can touch upon it when you talk about significance too, because they claim it to be the Asian mm-hmm. whatever first solo female director and first Asian. I guess not only Asian. Yeah, but, but Asian is the led. first director. Mm-hmm. She is the first like Asian director. Yeah. Alright, anyways, so the synopsis of the film is set in the year of 2002 in Toronto, Canada. So the main character, Maylin Lee, is a confident, dorky, 13-year-old girl of Asian descent torn between staying her mother's dutiful daughter and the chaos of being a teenager. And... As if changes to her interests, relationship, and body image weren't enough. Whenever she gets strong emotions, like getting excited or angry or sad, she would poof into a giant red panda. Which is like so cute, like that red panda. When I was I watching the movie, I was looking up for merch. <laughs> There's a lot I now, like, I think. Yeah, I wanted. There's and a, that's oh all I'm going to be. Japan released. Um, you're going to be... Oh, I dropped my phone. Is that be <laughs> the panda for Halloween? I the red panda, panda or Maylene Lee. That's I cute. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually looking online for merch. Well, not uh-huh. to buy. I was just like wondering because like Disney is like really good with merch. Um, Japan Disney actually has like the red panda, like but like a sleeping plush. Like it's a little <gasps> like cute sleeping red panda plush. Um, <gasps> but it's not like Amer- – it looks like very kawaii. Like it looks like very like – Oh. yeah it's so cute yes anyways <laughs> this movie is very significant to the asian community um because the director domi shi is pixar's first solo female director and it's also the first asian-led film by the studio which is true mm-hmm. the director is probably the one who's like you know giving telling the producers what to do anyways mm-hmm. premiered last friday on disney plus and honestly it's all i've been seeing on tiktok like the song by that boy band and that song is kind of catchy anyways it is catchy it reminds me of backstreet boys like yeah. the the tune of it 
But I actually got this quote from Domi. She herself, she posted something on Instagram about it. She said, Turning red is quirky and surreal, but at its core, it's a mother and daughter finally embracing change, even if it means saying goodbye to the relationship that they once had. And Domi, she, she's a Chinese Canadian animator. Um, she has worked for Pixar for a while, and she's like she's done Bao. She worked on like Inside Out, Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4, and she was born in Sichuan. And she was an only child, which we can both relate to. And then she moved to Canada when she was two. And I think obviously the story is based on her life, right? So she also mm-hmm. felt like she had like she did everything for her mom. She was very loyal to her family. And she was being pulled in different directions when it came to like herself and her family and friends. So yeah, it's like very general themes. And I think a lot of people from Asian families or immigrate or who – from families who are like immigrants, I think can really relate to mm-hmm. the story. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to the story a lot. Mm-hmm. So, I guess what were our favorite parts about the movie? Um, I think uh, my favorite parts. One of it is the design of the temple. I think it's really cool how, like, I think it's a very important part of Chinese culture at least for me like I grew up going to those temples and like doing different type of rituals and I think it's really cool that they actually show that um and on top of it I also like how they even if you watch the English version they still have like Cantonese in the background like I like Mm -hmm. the fact that they didn't try to like translate everything into English because in reality you know you do hear a lot of like Cantonese in Chinatown yeah I also well I like the boy band you know like that scene I don't know why but like the concert scene I was just like I was so excited for them like okay I guess it reminds me it reminds me of like my grasshopper error Mm. where I just went crazy for them oh my gosh like oh another favorite part is like their eyes like mm. the eyes of the character oh, yeah, the when eyes, they're like yes. they're like, so they're, like eyes yeah, yeah. And I was like oh my god that's literally me when I like saw grasshopper back then <laughs> and then oh like I get so excited during that scene yeah um Aww. and then I think one more is the cooking scene when the oh, dad my god. was cooking yes. I was like yeah, wow, pork belly. So I think he's so shiny. pork belly. Oh, so good. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like the little things that like we notice or we pay attention to, and we're like, oh, that's so accurate. Like I think mm-hmm. the fruit scene where the mom came in with like fruits, um, mm-hmm. and then the tamagotchi. I was like, oh my god, they included that. Like tamagotchis were my life. And she has so many plushies that look so cute, like Asian-inspired plushies, like super kawaii. Just like, yeah, little things. Like who, like, didn't like a boy band when they were a teen? I don't know, maybe someone didn't, but I definitely did. And, like, you would doodle in class. It's just very – the small details. Um, and obviously, like, the lo- the big themes are something that we relate to as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the small details – and also she has, like, a little CD player for music. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I love the Chinatown design, actually. Yeah. It reminds so me a pretty. lot of San Francisco Chinatown, to be honest. I wonder, I wonder if it's, um, like, pretty accurate to the Toronto mm-hmm. Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Overall, it's, it's so just cute. really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, 
I don't know, it feels very like grounding to me. Like even though like this obviously this movie is fictional, like no one turned into an actual like red panda. But mm-hmm. I think it's just like there are little things in that movie that I feel like I can relate to and make it a very grounding experience. It's like it's very unlike a lot of the Pixar movies that I've seen mm-hmm. growing up. Because obviously this one is more about like Asian culture, so I can relate to it more. Yeah, it's also like yeah, obviously no one turns into red panda, but like the emotions that she feels when she turns into the panda, like that's really relatable. Um, and like take a movie like like Finding Nemo for example. It's not like we're gonna go underwater and see the fish yeah. talking, you know. But this one yeah. is like extra and extravagant in a sense, in a creative sense. But like, if you take away the panda, right? Mm-hmm. Like the whole concept of the panda, it's still the same themes. Like it's still like it conveys the same mm-hmm. story. Yeah, yeah, very grounded. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of themes throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, that we want to talk about. Yeah, obviously one of the biggest things that this movie was surrounded about was May and her mom's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, her mom is obviously a tiger mom, um, very protective, very. Watching her every move, like, has really high expectations of her, actually. hmm And it makes me kind of scared of her. I feel like every teenager goes through that period, though, where it's, like, you don't tell your parents even the smallest things because you're kind of scared, too. Like, there's that fear. Um, yeah. Where aspect. does that, like, fear come from, though? Like, why are you afraid to tell them? Because you don't want them to get mad, I guess. hmm Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think, like, a lot of times I feel like I don't want to make them worry or mm, get mad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, do you have thoughts on, like, her mom, like, May's mom and her way of parenting? Or does that kind of remind you of, like, your parents? Like, what was your first thoughts mm-hmm. when you saw her? Yeah. So, for me, I think I've talked about it in previous episodes that – I don't think my parents are overly protective or tiger parents, but I can see that in like my other cousin's mother or like other people that I know. So I had a nanny growing up and she was like super, super protective. Mm. Like she's, she used to, like she's someone who will like hold my backpack, like insist to like hold my backpack or like come to school and to like pick me up. Mm -hmm. But like, now thinking about it, it's like, oh, like, that's so sweet. Like, she does so much for you. But then it's interesting because back then, as you're a te- teenager, you just feel like, leave me alone. Like, I yeah. just want to be independent. Please, I can take my own backpack. So in that sense, like, I can see how uh, I relate to the tiger mom syndrome. But another thing that I think is really interesting is the mom's relationship with the grandma. Because the mom, she was very strict on Maymay. And you would think that she has a very authoritative figure in the family. Seeing how, like, even the dad, like, listens to, kind of listens to whatever she says. And, like, doesn't really have a say in a lot of things. I was like, he's whipped. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) he is. And then you will, like, assume that, you know, she's like that with other relationships in her life but then when her mother called like the grandma called she was like so scared and i was actually struck oh well that's actually kind of funny 
mm-hmm. and it makes me like wonder why that is, and the fact that I think like it's really interesting how obviously her mom, like the grandma, was also very strict on the mom, mm-hmm. but yeah. instead of I guess rebelling or challenging the grandma, the grandma's expectation, she kind of just follow it and mm. decided to like give up her own wants to preserve what the family wants yeah and, and all of her siblings did that too yeah yeah and i think that translate into how she parents maybe because she thinks that how things should be she's like yeah. oh like she also said it in the film to like if you if I can do it, you can do it. Like I think it's the same kind of mindset mm. of like if this is how my way of being a daughter back then, like I think my daughter should treat me the same. Yeah, yeah. And I think with like tiger moms, I think that or tiger parenting, I think that they have good intentions. Like obviously mm-hmm. all like your parents want the best for you. That's why they're being so overly protective and like controlling. Um mm-hmm. and I think even the grandma at the end they turn back into pandas to save the mom. So they obviously like really care for the mom. But I think her way of showing love to her daughter is through being like being controlling, being assertive. And sometimes I think it might come out in a toxic manner because tiger parenting is really extreme. But I think that as someone now looking back on maybe people around me who had tiger parents, you understand the reasoning behind it. And I think you can be grateful and like understand that that was toxic at the same time. Because at the end of the day, they just wanted the best for you. And it's very interesting because the grandma obviously passed down this generational trauma to the mom, right? But then the mom was passing it down to Maymay, but then Maymay rejected it. Mm -hmm. And I think more people in our society are starting to do that. Mm-hmm. Like recognizing that it doesn't have to be toxic. Like you can still be respectful to your family by still putting your needs first. But I think I think for people who grew up here, maybe that's a little bit easier. Not saying that it's still not hard because their parents are still in that same mindset. But I think people, like maybe us, like because we grew up more so in Hong Kong, that's so ingrained in our brains, right? Like we can't really... I don't know how to unlearn it, honestly. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's very, like, the correlation between, like, not being obedient and loyal and respectful to your parents, that's very correlated to, like, toxic obedience. Like, even in Hong Kong, right? Like, my relatives or, like, friends would be like, oh, when are you going back to the U.S.? Like, are you staying here indefinitely? And I'm like, no, I'm planning to go back. And they're like, oh, don't do that. Stay here with your mom. Like, you know, stay with your parents. And so a lot of people in Hong Kong still think like that. And even friends that I have are like, I'm going to stay. Like, my life goal is to be able to give back to my parents and Mm -hmm. help them with, you know, when they retire, I can support them and I can take care of them. Like, that's the life Mm -hmm. goal. And I think that's very respectable and – Yeah, but I think when you take that mindset here in the U.S., people will be like, why? Like, I think the individualism versus, like, collectivism is so differently extreme. So it's, like, when you try to unlearn it. And I think it's cool that Mamie wasn't learning it at 13, you know? That's really Mm -hmm. young to, like, (laughs) be dealing with that. 
but us as like 20 something like it's just so ingrained like I don't know how to unlearn it honestly I still feel guilty and yeah so I I think I hope that like the next generation can break the cycle because we know how hard that is on us and I wonder like what it what does it take to like unlearn and break that cycle like obviously in the film we were able to see how maybe challenges her mom to unlearn her belief of what filial piety is what respecting her mom is but for me like my question is i think um so growing up like i have spent time with like my great grandma my grandma and then obviously my mom and how i see it is that you know my great grandma and my grandma they're actually like very pretty similar in a lot of ways but for me to my mom i think she was able to like recognize how the parenting style of my grandma has affected her and she tries to change that parenting style onto me which is like i'm very grateful that she was able to like recognize it so the cycle doesn't repeat mm-hmm. but yeah i wonder like i feel like it is like more difficult for like our parents generation to like recognize it because i feel like the societal pressure is higher um mm-hmm. and there were less like of a movement about like oh like you should prioritize your own need first like mental health too oh like mental health so yeah i think um it's really interesting. Maybe that's something that I should ask my mom. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially since you guys watched the movie together. Yeah. But I think yeah, it's also a lot about like the way we communicate. I feel like like because a lot of Asian households we don't communicate through words of affection, right? And so mm-hmm. the way we really show love to our parents is through acts of service or like spending quality time with them. Like it's never like I love you. Mm-hmm. So I think that part of that is part of the collectivism is also because like our love language is not words of affection. Like I feel like if, for example, like if I were able to call my parents and, you know, express my affection for them every time I call them, like I wouldn't feel so bad to not be there with them. But because I don't do Mm -hmm. that, the guilt is strengthened because there's no like channel of communicating to them that I care and I respect them and I value them and I love them. Mm. And even in this movie, to be honest, like you can see how the mom cares for Maymay by like going to her school and being like like a helicopter parent or like yeah, you know, standing the up grand- for her. Yeah, the grandparent, like the grandma and all the siblings turning back into pandas, like there was no, there's never verbal communication. Even at the end, yeah. I feel like maybe the at the end that was broken a little bit when they talked, um, uh-huh. when the mom was going back into yeah. the human realm, yeah. um, yeah. and leaving the panda behind. But just like before that, there was no communication between them at all. It was all like quality time or acts of service, mm-hmm. and so I think that's also playing into the generational trauma too communication is hard for the older generation especially chinese like i can only speak for chinese population Mm -hmm. and from the friends that i know and i 
you know, talk to about parents and stuff, like maybe like one out of 10 actually yeah. like uses word of aff- words of affirmation. Yeah, that's actually really interesting to think about it because I do think that like it's okay to have different languages, but maybe this film also show us the importance of like words, you know, because prior to like that mirror scene where they go to the human realm, the mom mm-hmm. go- went back to the human realm. She never verbally like accepted Maymay as the teenager that she's grown into or like show like words of affection to her. But it was like until that scene that I remember she was like, yeah, I'm scared of losing our relationship too as you grow up and change. But mm-hmm. no matter how far you go, like, I'll be proud of you. Like, something about, like, the further you go, the prouder I will be. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. well, like, it's actually that sentence and, like, that moment that kind of broke all the miscommunication. Mm. And, yeah, that all this miscommunication that happened prior to that. So sometimes maybe the key to, like, unlock a lot of the emotions and, like, solve some of the issue is to really speak our minds. Instead of mm-hmm. just, I think like there needs to be both, like your words yeah. need to match your action. Um, but also, just like having acts of service might not be enough. Mm. Yeah. And even like, I think throughout the whole movie, too, the mom still never expressed, you know, like words of affirmation to the grandma. No. And that's, I think that's the difference between like the older generation versus our generation just very interesting because you can compare those two relationships separately and like together but yeah yeah i think that like can lead us to the next theme Mm -hmm. which is they're all kind of related yeah they are all Um, like intertwined yeah so we can talk about family loyalty and filial piety do you want to talk about what filial piety is yes so obviously a big theme in the movie is being respectful and doing what your parents want or like doing things for the good of the collective family um, and putting the family first. So filial piety is a very old, I'm sure it's in other cultures too, but it is a very old like Chinese value, something that everyone Mm -hmm. talks about um, and just everyone knows, right? Everyone knows that you, your parents gave you everything you have. So you need to you know, give back in mm-hmm. the hierarchical structure of elders and the next gener- the younger generation. Mm-hmm. So the family in China is not just a social unit, but it represented a whole ideology um, that has been around for thousands of years. So the word, like the filial piety in Chinese is haosheng and xiao in Mandarin. And the different ways that people kind of see respect and filial piety play out in Chinese families is that the old, the younger generation is expected to take care of the parents when they're older. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of the family is the continuation of the family line. And it is actually the importance of filial piety is not just like, oh, I am, you know, honoring my parents. Um, but it's also a more structured concept where the val- it's a value-based hierarchy based on sh- 
based off of strict principles of obligation and obedience um and is it's always kind of like the foundation of chinese culture and how a family works like i feel like a lot of families work in the same way like the way that kids feel the way that you know like grandparents feel it's a very strict hierarchy and the underlying concept is kind of like oh because parents gave life to children and they gave them food clothes education you know all the things and for all the things that the children have received from their parents they have an an obligation towards them like they have to you know do what they want like be obedient because your parents gave you everything and the like grandparents are on a higher level because they gave your parents everything and then your parents gave you everything so the grandparent is like the highest level of filial piety like the highest level of yeah and i think the downside to this is just like sometimes interactions with family feels kind of not forced but it feels like there is this unspoken you know level difference sometimes yeah and even with you know cousins like I a lot of my I'm the youngest one right so sometimes I feel like my cousins have higher say or higher priority and like level than me whenever Mm -hmm. I go to family things but what's interesting is I only feel this with my dad's side of the family I don't feel this with my mom's side which they're in the U.S. and I think that's because they're Asian American Mm -hmm. like they were raised Mm -hmm. here but yeah that is the short summary of kind of what filial piety is do you feel the same way when it comes to family structure? I think, um, like, I do have, like, a big family, but we're more easygoing. Like, my parents' generation, they are typically very easygoing. Like, they can, mm-hmm. like, my parents, especially on my dad's side, like, my dad's side have a big family in Hong Kong, but for my mom, it's just a few siblings here in the U.S. But anyways, um, so in Hong Kong, like, my dad... He would joke around with his uncle too. And my uncle would joke around with him. Mm. Um, but there's still like some level of like respect they have to follow, I would say. But I do think it is true that, you know, I don't have, my family is not as like hierarchical and like structured. Like even with my aunts and stuff, I can call them by their First name and then, like, aunties. Auntie something, you know, like, or mm-hmm, uncle something. Mm-hmm. You don't have to call them by but third like, beautiful, aunt. Like, yeah. Well, some of them I still do. It's just, like, a habit. It became a habit for some of them. But then there are also some that, oh, like, they don't really care, so I don't have to do that. Um, but in terms of my experience with filial piety, I think there is still that pressure in me to give back to my parents like it is really mm-hmm. true that you know growing up my parents are always like yeah like they meaning that you know mm-hmm. when we get old we're depending on you to give us a good life life yeah so like it's so ingrained in me that i think that's how things should be because like even from a logical sense, like, it is true that my parents gave me life, that they gave me food and clothes and education. I know that mm-hmm. it's not easy to raise a child. So, of course, like, everything that I own, I also feel like it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to be the person that I am today without them. And I do feel that, like, obligation to 
take care of them. Oh, and that reminds me of another like practice that people do, especially for my friends in like Hong Kong, is they have to beigayong, meaning that they have mm. like every month when they get paid, That's true, like, yeah. a portion of it should go to like the family. Yeah, my some of my yeah. friends do that too. Yeah, so. I think, you know, like for me personally, that's some that's my goal too. You know, like when I may actually make a little more money, like that's my goal to, you know, give some money back to my family. Mm-hmm. And I remember since I was a kid, like my aunt will also tell me, okay, like how much money are you going to give your, give your parents when you, when you like, actually work and then like 10% and half of it I don't know (laughs) like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. back then like it was a lot simpler because I didn't think about rent or whatever I'm like oh okay I'm gonna keep like half of it and then the other half can be like for my parents Mm -hmm. um but it's just a very um it's a very common practice in Chinese family I feel like and going back to like what you said about guilt um, I think that's also very common a lot of times, especially for like immigrant child, because we feel that guilt of like leaving our family, but when they have given us so much. For me, even though like my parents are here right now, um, I'm living with them, but I know that in the future, they're gonna go back to Hong Kong, like once they get this citizenship. So that might be like maybe three or four more years. So a part of me also just feel like yeah, you probably stay in SF for, you know, at least like a little longer because I don't know how much more time I will have with them when they actually move back to Hong Kong. And mm-hmm. I do feel guilty and this sad, you know, like being in two different places. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's a toxic mindset? Like, I feel like that's it's a so... good question. <laughs> Because it's like, I feel like if you are from that kind of culture and that kind of um, collective mindset, right? Like family mindset, family values. I think it can be a good thing because family is really important. Yeah. They did give you life. You know, they gave you everything you had. You wouldn't mm-hmm. be here without them. But I think the, only, the the first time that I realized that it was toxic was when I was having conversations with people here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. More individualistic mindset. Then I was like, oh, yeah, maybe it is a little bit toxic, you know, like they don't control your like it's a I think it can be seen as derogatory thing when you're talking about it with other people. But for myself, I feel sympathetic to my parents because I'm not there with mm-hmm. them. Like I understand where the where the expectation and level of respect that they want me to have. Well, not that they want me to have for them, but like that the society places on you. Mm-hmm. Like that makes a lot of sense to me, right? But when you yeah. take this concept and you tell someone that is not from your culture about it, they're like, oh, that's toxic. Like that mm. shouldn't. You should just do what you want. But then when you try to explain it to them, you don't really know how to explain it because like when you talk about it, it's like, yeah, that is toxic. But to me, it's so normalized and mm-hmm. – I should do that for my parents. Like I yeah. should give back and I should be there for them, like physically. Um, yeah. And I shouldn't put my wants first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's actually so interesting. And it reminded me of something that happened in the movie Turning Red. 
Um, so remember, like at the beginning when Mamie was introducing herself and like introducing how, oh, my mom is so proud of me. Like she's so- showing yeah. her yeah. mom like all the grades, and then her mom was like, oh, good girl, and then she just felt like a sense of pride rush over her, like she just feel happy. And that to me, I felt like wow, like that is relatable because I think we're kind of like quote unquote like growing up, we're like we're brainwash that we need mm. our family's validation like our the family's validation is equal to our self-worth oh definitely yeah. yeah i think that and in that sense like not talking about right like it is toxic you know i shouldn't be seeking those external validation yeah and even like that to my self-worth Mm-hmm. And even like, do you remember that scene where she actually like, like through her friends, like, you know, like they put they they she blamed it on them rather than her like owning up that she was the one who wanted to sell merch and you know make money for the concert because mm-hmm. she was so afraid of what her mom would say. Yeah, and she wanted to please her and be this perfect image for her, whereas that is toxic because she wasn't able to be herself and that's why her friends were her safe place like that's why she mm-hmm. yeah that's why when she wanted to feel calm she would think about her friends yeah um, and not her parents mm-hmm. so it is it is toxic but then when you're from that culture you don't think it's toxic you know you yeah. think it's the right and respectable thing to do yeah i still i, I feel like i still do like even though recognizing that is toxic I still Me too. do want to do that. Like, I do want to give my parents yeah. a good life when they retire. I think that is like, that becomes my choice. Maybe yeah, it's because exactly. of my culture, the environment that I grew up in. But then that becomes like one of my goals now. And me too. it does make sense to me, you know? I know. But if you tell someone about it, they'd be like, like, I is it toxic is a, if you want to do it though? Yeah. Well, I feel... Mm, yeah, that's the thing. I feel like there needs to be a balance. I feel like when you're putting your family's desire first or like all the time before your own, then that can be toxic. Mm. But oh, that's so complicated. But then your fa- like your family desire becomes your own desire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the concept of the, of you know, living for your family is yeah. toxic. But then because it's so ingrained in you, like it's become something that you want to do and you think is the right thing to do. Yeah. So then and I guess that to insiders, it's not it's, toxic, right? Yeah, it's not toxic because it is what your heart wants. Mm. If there's something think, to contrast against it, then it becomes toxic. No, but I think it is following your toxic. Heart, maybe if you're not mm. following your heart. But there are also a lot of situations where, you know, like, you do have to, like, put your family first. Yeah. It depends on the situation. True. But I think... complicated. I guess the borderline is don't... The borderline is that we need to take responsibilities for our own life and not let our, what our family expect us to do to take over how we want to live our life. Mm, mm-hmm. yeah that's hard that is hard because what if you want to like the way of you showing respect to them is that you want to let them take over your life <laughs> well 
Because it's like, I think when you're in that culture, it's so hard to separate respect from obedience. Because to us, oh, being obedient is res- being respectful and like yeah. giving back to them. So it's a yeah. very fine line yeah. of it becoming, I want to respect you in the way that you want to be respected. But then, like, there's just a clash. There's a clash of, like, what it means to be respectful. Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. It is also an interaction between you and the rest of the family because it's so collective. Like, there's pre- there's outside pressures on, like, how you yeah. parent and yeah. how you want to present yourself as respectful to your parents but also to, like, extended family, to not mm. just family, even friends. Like, friends would comment on that um, because yeah. friends have the same mindset on that. Yeah. So it becomes yeah, like a that's whole so true. thing. Um, yeah, that involves it's like everyone. You, yeah, you can't dictate how you want your relationship with your parents to be because it's more – there's other social pressures from externally. It's very mm-hmm. hard to just focus on that relationship on its own. And it's hard to initiate communication, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a very complex – it's so complex. Like, my brain is all tangled. I know. Me too. <laughs> me too. I'm like, I should have thought about this more, but this is the time where I reflect. So, I guess the question is, is it toxic? Is toxicity <laughs> subjective? I think it's subjective. Like, even if, like, some of my friends here are saying that, oh, like, the way how you think about it might be toxic. There are... I do think there are to- toxic mindset, but it's not always necessarily. Like, if that's truly what I want and, like, I'm able, let's say, like, providing for my parents, right? Like, if that's mm-hmm. truly what I want and I'm able to do it without, like, sacrificing my own, like, life or happiness, then I don't think that is, like, toxic. Mm. But, you know, actually, like, side, side, like, off topic, but then there's, I realized one thing this past week too like I was just journaling and I realized something I realized that like you know how like I can be harsh on myself sometimes and I sometimes I feel like I can't even feel sad or like complain about my life because I think that is being ungrateful for what my parents have given me or just like ungrateful about life but then I realized, mm-hmm. well, like, that is toxic, you know, realizing that mindset. That is toxic because I think I can still, like, there are things that in my childhood that could have gone better. Like, there are things that I've heard or seen that has led to me being so harsh on myself. I can complain mm-hmm. and be sad about it, but still love my parents. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like mutually, it's not, it's mutually, it can be mutually exclusive. Like, yeah. you can, those feelings can be there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. And communication, man. Yeah. Well, do you think it's toxic? I think when you put it into a lens of a different, like, if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, yes. But I think if you're in it and you're in that position, then you can't know that it's toxic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And... It's something you want to do, and I think when it's something you want to do, it's not toxic, I guess. But then it's like, do you want to do it because you want to do it, or you think that you have to do it? Mm-hmm. 
I think when it's like, oh, I think that I have to do it, then it's toxic. But then I think the line is so fine because it's like, I don't know if I want to do it or if I don't want to do it. (laughs) Like obligation and like respect is just so tricky. And it's hard to like get a grasp on your true feelings when it comes to these situations because you generally don't know. Yeah. That's what therapy is for. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I still don't know. I don't know how to process, you know, like with me being in a way and stuff or being away from them and stuff still. Mm -hmm. It might be a constant, like, learning journey. And it's okay that we don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And I think acceptance, like accepting that this, like, you have these two identities, you know? And everyone feels that way, like, as you grow up. And I don't know, practice communication. That's hard, though. Yeah, that's hard. Like, I'm saying it. I know I'm saying all these things. And I'm like, yeah, it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Went on a tangent about filial piety. Yeah. As you can tell, I have not thought about this in depth before this recording. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's that's enough processing for today. <laughs> that hurt my brain. It does. <laughs> yeah. Well, let us know if. Well, okay. First of all, I hope this rant wasn't too repetitive. Um, this is like genuinely us processing our thoughts. So this is the real tea. Yeah. Yeah. So let hope us you know. Enjoy it, or like, if you have any thoughts, like, please share with us, like, how you deal with filial piety or like balancing what your family wants versus your own wants now i would love to hear other people experiences me too i think a lot of people can relate to this yeah please let us know because we i don't know more opinions um also i need to watch this movie again um there's a lot to unpack i can't believe yesterday when i watched it i was like um it's like pretty straightforward. Like I was literally like, it's pretty straightforward. I feel like there's it's not much to say about us, it. I think mm. because yeah, but it's also something that like has been talked about like more frequently recent in recent years. Hmm. Yeah. Let us know. Um. We hope you enjoyed our rant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. See y'all later. See y'all in two weeks. Bye. Bye.